Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch new episodes of Grey's Anatomy Thursdays at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. Before you listen to this episode of EW's Binge Podcast, we'd like you to know that we are fans of drag as art and entertainment, though we respect it in all of its forms, too. We recognize that all drag is valid, from drag race contestants to local queens, kings, and our transgender community members who pioneered the art form. And we hope you do, too. So we kindly ask that you not send any of the performers in this podcast or beyond hate or negativity on social media or elsewhere. In other words, don't fuck it up for everyone and love yourself so you can love everybody else. As Tatiana would say, thank Thank you. you. Hello, 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 and thank you for taking the gamble of potentially running up your light bill by joining us for another episode of EW's Binge Podcast, where we're feeling very attacked and wonky eyelashed for your listening pleasure as we take a deep dive into every season of RuPaul's Drag Race. Returning once again, for better or worse, I'm your host, Joey Nolfi, the Drag Race reporter at Entertainment Weekly. And I'm Jillian Cedarholm, EW's digital news director and a recently converted fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. Now, if you're a fan of true crime podcast, today's episode is, I'm just going to say, a gift for you because Bianca Del Rio will join us later and she's absolutely going to read us within an inch of our lives or just eviscerate us all together. So I'm just flagging all of this right now as evidence leading up to our imminent death by reading. And to balance out Hurricane Bianca, we've got the Courtney love of drag, Adore Delano, She's here to discuss, to bust, rather, <laughs> Bianca's balls. Because, <laughs> not discuss them? Not discuss them, bust them. Because Lord knows we can't handle Bianca on our own. You're scaring me. Now I'm going to just pretend to be asleep like that old man at the comedy show. <laughs> whole interview. <laughs> no, she, I promise she is actually very, very sweet. Um, now, as always, in the great tradition of our enduring and iconic devotion to become method podcast artists. Jillian and I are once again recording today's episode in an illegal space related to the Drag Race franchise. Last week, we were in heaven discussing the demise of Judy Garland, and today we're actually in hell next to Satan himself, who just admitted to us that the words not today are immensely triggering to him. Jillian, it's like not even that hot down here. Yeah, it's pretty pleasant. I keep peeking under boxes expecting to find Darien Lake's possessed head, but it's all just Russian <laughs> stacking dolls of Ben de la Creme. I what was about, surprised, though, to find out that Satan had a hog body. What, <laughs> what about Vivacious's possessed head? Oh, that's a, that's in a museum. That's not in hell. Oh, yeah. Okay. Brilliant save. Yes, I'm snapping <laughs> for that. I am snapping. All right. Now, no more baloney. I didn't do that nearly as good as Bianca. Um, but let's continue with our season six recap. Yes. Today, Satan, we absolutely have time for season six of RuPaul's Drag Race. Far more time than Bianca Del Rio has for excuses or Adore Delano has for washing her tights. Ancient folks born at the same time as Charlie Hyde's couldn't build their boulder bridges without a keystone, 
and season six is the block that holds the Drag Race franchise together. Though, in reality, the whole thing basically boils down to watching drunk mom, in this case Bianca Del Rio, corral her unruly children with a boozy mix of semi-sweet backhanded compliments or straight-up blistering verbal lashings for 14 straight episodes. Among the children were queens who'd go on to become drag race icons. Um, Adora Delano, Courtney Act, Ben De La Creme, Laganja Estranja, Gia Gunn, and Ornacea, the famous wig stand with bejeweled eyes that rode into the first part of season six's two-part premiere on top of Vivacious's head. Across a series of challenges both familiar and new, the season six queens mounted franchise best showings on the perennial music challenge. That's what happens when you cast finalists from American Idol and Australian Idol. And also the Snatch Game, which set the comedic standard for future seasons. But season six also contained dark drama under its playful dressings. Laganja Estranja infamously blew up and untucked and accused the entire cast of ganging up on her, while Ben de la Creme became the unwitting bearer of Darien Lake's insecurities. She fell into the role of victim of a grudge that seemingly manifested out of literally nothing at all. But the breakout star from the beginning was eventual champion Bianca Del Rio, whose breakneck wit, whip-smart comebacks, and unshakable confidence allowed her to coast to the crown as the most powerful drag queen in America, a title she still holds to this day. And thanks to her warm, hateful embrace, Drag Race sissied that walk to its most consistently entertaining season yet. Jillian, as always, I want to get your... First time impressions watching season six uh, as a new Drag Race viewer. How did you feel about the season? Because I feel like I built it up to you. Um, initially, when you first told me that you wanted to start watching RuPaul's Drag Race, I immediately said you have to start with season six. It's the best season. Yes, you. I remember you saying that. And I remember when I tweeted that I had first started watching, uh, one or two people also were like, well, stick in there. Like, you're going to really love five and especially six. It's so funny. And so as you and our listeners know, season four is my absolute favorite. It'll always have the top place in my heart. But dare I say season six is actually the best season in general, just in terms of how much fun it is to watch, how many memorable personalities. Like I keep, I, I just can't believe that all these queens are together. There's so many people, even ones who go home so soon that are just truly icons of the franchise. Yeah, it really is crazy. This I think this is collectively the best cast uh and like you're saying even the ones who go home early it's like they're so memorable there there's so much talent here so much hilarity here and um the thing that i like about this season is is that there are a lot of queens who you know, in the past, it's like, I feel like we were laughing at a lot of them, um, or the show was asking us to maybe at, laugh at a lot of the things they were doing. And outside, maybe one or two, these queens in this season are really knowingly very funny, like Adore and Bianca, and even Courtney, Jocelyn. Mm -hmm. um, they, they're just all hilarious. And um, it is just one of the most purely entertaining things in reality TV history. I think this is truly one of my favorite seasons of any TV show ever. And there were no clicks and everyone knows how I hate a click. <laughs> and the only real feuds were were harmless and either they made up or we know 
later that everything's okay, but the the one feud that it that kept being highlighted was this Darian's one-sided feud against Ben. And it, it was, was so weird. Hysterical. I was like, could not stop laughing every time that storyline came. <laughs> because it seems like even Ben didn't really know that yeah. it was like a thing. Yeah. Like Darian just decided <laughs> that this was a thing. And the, when they filmed the confessionals later, Darian was like, I'm just going to say that I hate Ben. <laughs> That's, she just ran yeah. with it. But now... I think we can both agree that the most iconic person ever to come from Drag Race is Ornacea, though, correct? Oh, 100%. I mean, sorry, Lil Pound Cake, if you can hear me, but (laughs) come on, Ornacea. I have been trying to buy an Ornacea for a very long time. I keep forgetting to buy one. They're kind of expensive, but um, Vivacious, who was a club kid in New York City, who joined this season, who is an absolute icon in her own right, um, who she just has this wig head that she's had for night she's 20 years old mind you the ornacea is actually 20 years old um that she just wears on top of her head like and she puts little hoods around it and she just like literally wears it as a costume on top of her head and it is so fucking funny um now i actually interviewed vivacious last year about ornacea specifically and she told me that if you thought that the legend of Ornacea couldn't get better, you have like 7 million other things coming because Ornacea is actually part of a family of wig heads that Vivacious calls the Ornation. And um, she has two sisters named Shanita and Shawana Wig. Um <laughs> Like I said, she's 20 years old. Wait, she, eternally 20 or like at the time we met her? 20? No, she is 20 years old. Like, so she will vi- never be able to drink legally or go into a club? N- no, next year she will. So she will She will have a birthday? Yes. Like like, okay. like literally this wig that or, Vivacious told me that she purchased the first Ornacea. Well, this so this interview was last year. She said 19 years ago. Okay, gotcha. So literally, Ornacea <laughs> is 20 years old. Um, she also has seasonal sisters named Pride Nacia, Valentinacia, and Hallinacia for holidays that Vivacious makes and sells on her social media pages. So you definitely need to check out Vivacious's Instagram. And she also was inspired by a lyric in RuPaul's 1993 song, Back to My Roots. That's what oh, Vivacious said. So I there's apparently that. a line in that song that inspired the name Ornacea, and here we are. Um, so one of the other inspiring queens to come out of season six was Milk. Uh, I think that Milk, it watching the way that the show evolved after Milk, it really speaks to the changing identity of drag on the show because on this season, they Milk's fashion was very progressive and it was very forward-thinking. It was maybe a little bit rough around the edges when Milk tried to conform to what the show was asking, but on its own, I think Milk's drag was very impressive. Um, but they really dragged Milk for doing boy drag. But the very next season, you see that they had a full beard runway challenge, even though they read Milk for having a beard sometimes. And Kennedy Davenport won the next season snatch game for her boy drag as Little Richard. But they seemed very against Milk when Milk was dressing up in boy drag for the RuPaul challenge and having her little beard um, for certain challenges. And it just, it really speaks to how this show adapts to, I think, uh, changing mentalities among the fans sometimes to adapt for what the fans want to see. 
Yeah, I I love that RuPaul look so much. I thought that was just genius to come out. Yeah, it was good. Workroom Ru. But yeah, we had seen that briefly in seasons past of Milan in a suit and then Alaska last season doing that kind of Pee Wee Herman and overalls character for a acting sketch. But Milk really took it to a whole other level of really playing with masculine and feminine and androgyny that I I really thought was a lot of fun. But yeah, I, I noticed that too that later the show would start to kind of incorporate that, you know, which we've seen before of people's drag not being accepted or understood completely. And then later a queen wins with that look. So I was excited to see that start to break down with milk. Yeah. Is there anything else that you, that stands out to you about season Um, six that you want to talk about? I did want to say there was something that that I went on a, a Google search afterwards. Jocelyn is telling this story. I don't even remember the context that about her grandfather talking about reading an article about a Broadway actress who heard her fellow nominees shit talking her and cried and then ended up winning. Do you remember that moment? <laughs> no, like I this, don't remember this. It was moment. like she was talking about how her grandpa was always her biggest fan. And I just like, then I had to pause it and go on like an hour search. And so I found <laughs> out that someone had tweeted at her saying, like, yeah, but who's the Broadway actress? <laughs> and she tweeted back at them to reply that it was Kristen Chenoweth. So if that oh, was wow. also bothering everyone else, that is the Broadway actress that Jocelyn's grandfather told everyone to model themselves after. <laughs> I'm sure Kristen is uh, uh, you know, steadfast listener of this podcast, so I'm <laughs> yes. sure she she is very flattered to know that. So, I as was also we do, not ex- I was also not expecting another person in drag to puke on the runway in season 6. Oh, yes. It literally got sickening. Mhm. It literally did. Yes, like Laganja Estranja said, let's get it was sickening a, it was a and prediction br- all along. <laughs> Brandon, Jocelyn's makeover subject, definitely got sick off of that runway. Now, as we do every episode, let's introduce the season six cast with our three mood words. Jillian, you can start with Kelly Mantle. Sure. So I wrote down bacon dress and then (laughs) a gif of Carol Burnett doing her iconic Ear, pl- ear tug. You've let me have gifts before, so I'm hoping yeah, okay, I can do that it again. counts. Yes. <laughs> okay. What do you have for Magnolia Crawford? Um, brown nose stunning. <laughs> <laughs> Vivacious. Yes. Uh, club walk and mother. Mm. How about April carry on? April carry on. April carry on. Oh. Um, oh no! Is this going to become another thing that I have to learn to say? Just be glad it's not April Couture, um, or Couture, as you said. April. Couture. You know what? April Couture has a nice ring to it. It does actually. Yes, it does. Uh, I just have serving butch lesbian, uh, Gia Gun, purse, Delorean or Dollarian, and absolutely. Yes. What about milk? A uh, bearded lady bay. Laganja Estranja. Attacked, medicated, mama. How about Trinity K. Bonet? Light bill excellence. Jocelyn Fox. Ass, wonk, and gasp. <laughs> Did you How say about- wonk? Well, you know what? I actually <laughs> tried it's listening to it, but is it wonk or womp? I can't. Womp, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. Womp, womp. I, looked at, I looked at the subtitles and they even they were confused. Oh yeah, I would be interested to hear what the, see what those womping? subtitles say. Is she womping or wonking? <laughs> she, admit, you should tweet that at her. Okay, next. you know what? Yeah. Womp, um, womp. <laughs> how about Ben Delacreme? Terminally delightful, sweetheart. 
Darien Lake. Russian Doll Feud. Mm. How about oh, another one that I can't say their name correctly the way it intended? Courtney Act? Courtney Co- 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 Act? Courtney Act? Um, <laughs> okay, minus. I just forgot what I wrote and I just read it again. And, um, <laughs> rat testicle real <laughs> rat, rat testicle realness. <laughs> Adore Delano. Azusa party idol. How mm. about our our winner, Bianca Del Rio? I'm sorry, there are just I'm breaking my own rules. There are no <laughs> three words that are enough. Um, her name carries so much weight from the makeup alone, actually, um, that she just doesn't need three descriptors other than Bianca Del Rio. I mean, she's just a fucking legend. So we're just leaving it as Bianca Del Rio. All right. So let's go through our firsts. Um, the season didn't have many firsts. As we get later into the Drag Race canon, there is um, less and less firsts, but still some interesting ones here. Um, this was the first premiere split into two parts. Therefore, this is also the first season where the winner did not enter the workroom on the first episode because Bianca entered on episode two as part of the second group of seven queens. Mm. This season is also the debut of Ornacea, Vivacious's iconic headpiece, who would make multiple appearances on future seasons. It was also the first season where challenge-winning queens did not receive immunity the next week. Laganja became the first queen to actually chasse away. Um, and I have to note that everybody gives her shit. I love Laganja. I think Laganja is hilarious. Um, I It's... You know, a lot of people gave her shit, though, in this moment, because they were like, it's Sashay away, not Chasse, but she's a dancer. And if you look it up, Chasse is an actual dance move. And I think she just exaggerated the wrong word in her sentence. It She should have said, I will be the first queen to actually Chasse away. Yeah. But instead, she said, actually, Chasse <laughs> away. So that's where it's just, see, it's little bits of inflection and pronunciation, Jillian. God, you're, just, you're just teaching Couture. us all. Um, yes. Yeah, no, I actually had to look that up because I was like, isn't that a dance, like a dance term? Like of all people, Laganja should be someone who can say that. So I didn't know if she suddenly developed a lisp or, okay, so that's good. To, that's good to know. Yep. And then we also have Jocelyn Fox, who became the first contestant to get married on RuPaul's Drag Race. On RuPaul's Drag Race, when RuPaul officially pronounced them husband and womp womp on the finale, her and her fiance. Um, now she is not the first person to get married on Drag Race because, of course, this season prior to the finale, um, there was the challenge where RuPaul married all of the couples who got their makeovers. So sorry, Jocelyn. Uh, Surprisingly for lip syncs though, as great as this cast is, there aren't really a lot of great lip sync moments. I don't think Um, the two that really stand out to me are on episode eight, um, Jocelyn Fox versus Laganja Estranja. Both of them are serving a lot of attitude, but this is the first time Jocelyn really came into her own as this sort of fierce and commanding diva that we hadn't really seen yet. But the best moment is the totally unplanned part where Laganja goes up for a split at the same time as Jocelyn, and but they're on polar opposite ends of the stage, and they just both land it at the exact same moment. It is such a good moment. I get chills every time I watch it. So did um, you did you agree with the decision of who who left? Um, that was yeah, Laganja left on on that episode, correct? Yeah. Yes. Um, I I I think in the context of the competition, yes, 
Um, I mean, I would say you have to remember Laganja was dancing under duress. She was feeling very attacked. They true. broke her down. She true. felt like shit. She looked stupid and her nail fell off because she's such a disaster. So <laughs> I think the fact that she still did a casual wig reveal, jump splits timed with uh, Jocelyn. And if you look closely, she starts with a standing split before right. jumping yep. down, mm-hmm. then does a death drop all while wearing truly insane shoes. So. I say props to you, Mama. Yeah, she did. I think she did a really good job. I just think in the bigger picture, um, Laganja was maybe struggling a bit. But I do, like I said, I can't say it enough. I love Laganja. I love seeing everything that Laganja has done after the show. Same. I would say during the quarantine, Laganja was the queen who really helped get me through it. Like her, so entertaining. She just turned it out. I just, I, we need Laganja on All Stars. She's, we really do. Great. Truly. Now, the only other lip sync that really blew me away. Uh, this season was episode nine, the following episode, Adore Delano versus Trinity K. Bonet. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're almost like crawling around on the floor. Adore is on her back, just like scooting around. They're feeling up on each other and getting really primal and like animalistic and just working together. It's just such an unhinged joy to watch this lip sync. I really love it. Yeah, and it got it got really sexy there for a minute and reminded me of the Raja, Raja and Carmen, and Carmen. pornographic lip sync from yeah. season three, just slightly more closed. But I went back to rewatch it and that was also to a Paula Abdul song. So it's oh, really? something about Paula. It was just straight up. Damn. So, okay, yeah, good connection. All right, let's move on to memorable quotes. There are so many, so we cannot yes. possibly do them all. Um, so we just have to pick the most iconic ones here. First one, of course, is just party from Adora Delano. And then Laganja's entrance uh, room quote right before death dropping. She said, y'all wanted a twist, eh? Come on, season six, let's get sickening. And that was also an inspiration for an iconic meme that was going around during the pandemic that I believe was the invention of somebody on this podcast. Was it me? No, no. Our producer Marvin, (laughs) did he make it? No, it was me. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, it was, uh, one of my <clears throat> many, many, many viral tweets. Um, but yes, that I, uh, made a tweet of Laganja where, when quarantine was starting, standing up and saying, come on curve. And then I put for the flattened curve graph, I put her inside the flattened curve graph on her back and I put, let's get flattening. Very I would say. That. Every every digital drag show of hers that I attended or Instagram live, somebody would say that. So oh, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, my first uh, quote was Bianca Del Rio uh, describing Trinity for the first time after they met in the workroom. Saying, so good. Trinity reminds me of a dear friend of mine from New Orleans. She's dead. <laughs> Next, another uh, Bianca gem when she just was not having everyone's weepy bullshit. And she says, need help packing? Beat it, queen. And then we have Gia Guns. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Um, then we have uh, my my sister from the San Gabriel Valley, Adora Delano, <laughs> describing herself as, I'm fucking hood. I'm from Azusa. I'll stab a bitch. As, as someone who grew up a couple cities over from Azusa, is it actually hood? I, I'll never reveal the answer to that. I've never been there. I have family I, I out on the West Coast in okay. Diamond Bar. Is, is Azusa <laughs> yeah. close to Diamond Bar? Yeah, it's not too far off. I would say you can, 
I mean, I don't want to disparage a whole area that I'm also from, but if you watch Crazy Ex-Girlfriend, West Covina, you kind of get the idea. Oh, wait. My family... No, my uncle used to live in West Covina. All right. Have I been go. to Azusa? You well, I don't know if you've been to Azusa, <laughs> but you've definitely been to the the foothill areas of California. Basically, oh, cool. all these random cities you've never heard of. But if you watch the Rose Parade, you're like, "What is this city that has a float?" That's us. Okay. Cool. Geographical lessons on uh, a drag race podcast. <laughs> um, next is Vivacious's Liza Minnelli lies. We also have. My one of my all time favorite snatch game performances is Ben de la Creme as Maggie Smith. Uh, in this moment, to set it up, Trinity K. Bonet as Nicki Minaj has just told her to speak normal English, and Ben infamously says, Excuse me, we originated the language. <laughs> so good, so good. Now, also, if you know me, you know that I stan Leah Remini. Uh, she is a guest judge on this season. One of the best guest judges next to Susan Powder, of course. She just gives zero fucks. And I love it when guest judges come in and call the show out on maybe some inconsistencies. Like in this particular instance, when they were criticizing Courtney and Jocelyn for their commercial by saying that they weren't serving realness in their commercial. And Leah says, that wasn't their commercial. Jesus, Mary and Joseph, am I on another show? (laughs) Then they ask her, they're like, well, what did you like about the commercial? And she's like, well, I actually didn't like the commercial. Yes. That was so, good. so funny. Um, then we have from Laganja Estranjo's iconic Meltdown and Untucked, I Feel Very Attacked. Um, then we have, all I've ever heard from the judges was that we need to see more versatility. You know what all I've got to say to y'all? I will show you versatility when Santino wins a sewing competition and Visage wears a fucking turtleneck, which is Bianca Del Rio at oh, the Bianca. comedy show. RuPaul during the interview challenge where they are interviewing Cher's mother and also Chaz, um, Cher's son, RuPaul <laughs> tells, I believe it's Jocelyn, correct? Um, I think so. I mean, because Jocelyn is that... planning to ask them w- some sort of wordplay about Cher coming out of uh, her mother's vagina. And then RuPaul says, talking about Cher's vagina could possibly offend mother and son. Uh, <laughs> This exchange between Courtney Act and Ben de la Creme is also amazing. Courtney, in her Australian accent, says, I was a glamorous assistant once, and when I was squeezed in the back of the little box, I was in such a contorted position that my... (laughs) And her Australian accent says, rat testicle. I I, I don't know if that was Australian or not. Popped out entirely. And then Ben says, why do you have a rat testicle? (laughs) (laughs) Um, then we have, of course, Bianca Del Rio's iconic catchphrase, not today, Satan, not today, which this, so this was one that as someone who had not watched this for a couple years after the season had actually ran, I had heard this phrase so many times that I thought that when I watched it, I thought it was like another water off a duck's back that like, oh, this is this saying that is famous and that. This person is just capitalized on, but apparently that's not the case. And this really was her phrase. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm I, not 100% yeah, sure I don't know. on that. I tried looking up other examples of it, and everything I was finding was from Drag Race or someone randomly saying it in kind of like a religious way. And then a bunch of Drag Race fans saying, no, 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 that's not your catchphrase to like Candace Cameron. Oh, yeah, Candace. Yeah, I remember she tried to say it once and they were like, yeah, don't come for Bianca. That's Bianca's. Um, 
my th- this one always cracks me up every time I hear it. It's not one that a lot of people talk about, but it just every time I watch it, I cannot stop laughing when Rue and Bianca are having their last little lunch before the finale with the Tic Tac lunch. And Rue is asking Bianca like some really serious question about this whole experience. And Bianca just puts her head down and goes, you've been filming this? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. I love it. It's brilliant. So random notes from the season. Uh, The weirdest thing from my notebook um, for season six is, I'm sure you can guess where this is going, Jillian. My note is, April Carrion as the butch lesbian is really hot. I just I just need to know if anything ever happened between April and Adam Lambert. That I did not Google, but I'm just hoping. Not safe um, for work. <laughs> yes. Um, my note was, I wonder who loves partying more, Adore or Andrew WK. I hope that they do a collaboration, which do you remember? Do you know who Andrew WK is? Early 2000s rocker no. who all of his, I mean, kind Jillian, of forgotten I'm only 19 time. years old. The thing, it was, yeah, it was like, I think post- 2000 post September 11th like sometime in late 2001 early 2002 and he just like all of his songs were like I want to party we're having fun and he was like this long-haired kind of grungy rocker guy who was like his clothes like he always wore light jeans and a white shirt that were dirty and his hair was like kind of grungy but at the same time he was kind of hot so it was like very a very adore vibes of being like unwashed tights and but also sexy like I told you with your Nia Vardalos and Kathy and Jimmy joke from a few episodes ago, Jillian, if you have to spend 30 seconds explaining the joke, it's not a joke. Well, you know what? I'm saving everyone the time of having to Google who this person is. I know some of our listeners probably also weren't around. Kristen Chenoweth was. Yes. <laughs> um, I was trying to tell you that I don't know who Andrew WK was because I'm only 19 years old. So. Uh-huh. I'm 19. I just turn. I just keep turning 19 every year. It's really weird. Um, so Jillian, should our listeners stick around? Absolutely, because we've got so much more coming up with Bianca Del Rio and Adore Delano. But first, Vivacious returns to EW's binge for her own Snatch Game fantasy to play the Snatch Game celebrity she never got the chance to play. And Yuhua Hamasaki, host of Bootleg Opinions on YouTube, is back to review some more missed runway opportunities. Stick around. Don't sashay away just yet. EW Binge Podcast will be back right after this. Hi, this is Vivacious from Season 6, and this is Snatch Game Fantasy. My character is Miss Cleo. That's right, darling. Call me now. Hello, Miss Cleo. I have a question. The city of San Francisco is so gay. What are their mounted police ride instead of horses? You know something? I have been to San Francisco before, and I true. The city gear. They are generations ahead of yesterday. By the way, that's me track out on iTunes. Make sure so you get it. The Miss Clear Vivacious mix of G-A-Y. Gay. Generations ahead of yesterday. Yes, make sure so you go out and get it on iTunes, missing. Yes, 99 cents. You can't go wrong. And at the end of it, me have a talking section where you can figure out how to get in touch with me. And me will tell you what to do with your future. So I'm make sure so you call me, all right? Yes. The, the city of San Francisco is so gay. The mounted police, them ride unicorn. 
Me say the, 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 the unicorn, them, the, the, them I do the bogo, them I kin up. Them, them nails done, them duke them nails, them, 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 them full of so much rainbow. And all of the unicorn, them walk with lisp. You don't think say them learn how to walk runway with, with Tyra Banks and Naomi Smalls and Naomi Campbell. All three of them together. Yes, man, but that's how gay the city is. Only figure some time. All right. This is your girl, Miss Cleo, signing out. And I want to thank Entertainment Weekly and RuPaul's Drag Race and Snatch Game Fantasy for having me here today. Yes, man. God is good. Have a good day. Welcome back to Yuwa Masaki's Miss Runway Opportunity. We're up to season 666, the segment of the podcast where I try to remix a queen's runway look to make it more fabulous, honey. For season six, my pick would have to be vivacious Game of Thrones look where they had to create their own looks from a box based off of a TV show. And vivacious got Games of Thrones. The dress looks short on her and I think it could use a few more inches. The belt that she created looks a little bit wonky. I have a feeling she's trying to create a thicker belt for her waist, but I think instead of it wrapping around her body twice, I think she could have used it to create a thicker belt by sewing them together. I like the necklace and the earrings and I think they are fine, but the feathers around her neck just looks really, really thin and they don't look really full. Instead, I would say split them in half to put them around her ears or around her shoulders so that it can still be full but cut in half. Because right now around her neck, they just look really, really thin. But at the same time, her face is getting lost because she has the high neckline and also the necklace and earrings. And from far away, it doesn't look that flattering because we are missing her beautiful face. And thank you everybody for tuning in to another episode of Yuhua's Miss Runway Look Opportunity. Hey everyone, I'm Sid Evans, Editor-in-Chief of Southern Living and host of Biscuits and Jam. Since 2020, I've been interviewing musicians, chefs, authors, and other Southern icons about their family traditions, their faith, their favorite meals, and of course, what it means to be Southern. And I'm excited to announce Season 5 of our award-winning podcast. Join me every Tuesday for new conversations with some of the most interesting and influential Southerners around. Be sure to follow Biscuits and Jam wherever you get your podcasts. You can also find us online at southernliving.com slash biscuits and jam. Welcome back to EW's Binge Podcast, and we might as well just give our listeners fair warning. Jillian and I are you know, not 100% sure we're going to live through this interview due to a mix of fear and also excitement, because this is perhaps the most exciting and intimidating pair of guests we've had so far. Jillian, do you agree? Yeah, I think the only season six queen who could intimidate me more than these two is Ornacia. She just seems to always look down on everyone. So. <laughs> this is the very true. true. Yes. <laughs> 
Well, we just need to get right to it. Joining us to walk through a recap of season six, please welcome top three finalist and recording artist Adore Delano and RuPaul's Drag Race season six crowned and clowned queen Bianca Del Rio. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Th- thank you. You know what's funny? We always we always laugh about Ornacia because we go, Ornacia is more famous than Vivacious. And that's pretty fucking amazing. <laughs> you, do you know what I mean? Like people can spot Ornacia anywhere and they go, oh, look at her. She's even doing cameos. Vivacious is doing cameos. So <laughs> yeah. one. Well, she sells them. Vivacious she actually does. sells them. She sells them for holidays. She has like Pride Nacia and Halloween. I love it. Oh, I, I love it. I mean, think about it. If the girls who were booted from Destiny's Child were that imaginative, they would have a career right now. They really would. <laughs> totally. All you need is some cute little TikTok lights and a cute little head and just call it a day. <laughs> and a bed sheet that doesn't cover your whole background as you film in your room. Yeah. Perfect. Oh, yeah. You need the taper to be like at least coming off on one side. like just like Exactly. Yeah. Oh God, this is going to be so good. I cannot wait to do this. (laughs) I have to say, you know, Bianca, I've I've interviewed you many times before, a a few times in person, and there is each time there's nothing truly scarier, I think, than the moments before speaking with you. And it's nothing that you're doing. I mean, it's nothing that you're doing. It's just I get so nervous and intimidated because, but then you always end up being so sweet and like not hateful to me at all. Well. Um, well, first of all, that's crazy. But And my priest tells me the same thing when I go in for confession. But I think, it, I guess it's the idea of you that people get wrapped up in. You know, yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't be a cunt all the time, you know. Uh, so there is some normality to it all. But, you know, when you're in the moment or when you're in a competition, oh, yeah, fuck them all. <laughs> On stage, forget it. <laughs> but but in real life, yeah, you can't be that intimidating all the time. So I, I apologize if I'm intimidating. I don't mean to be. Usually it's oh, just my no. makeup. Usually it's, my makeup scares you. It's it's all it's all on on me. Like I'm because I'm you know just I I usually go back before I interview you and refresh myself with some clips and I'm just like oh my god uh, it is very yes. like it that's what's intimidating to me. It's not how you're behaving or anything. But from okay, your perspe- perspective, is that how do you find that most people sort of reacted to you on the show like that too when they first met you? Could you sense that they were scared of you at first? Uh, well, I think the beginning, just in the beginning of drag for me, that the world was a completely different world. So nobody cared what you were like as a person. So you were always judged by what you did on stage. And I think I've kind of adapted to that kind of mentality that this is just what I do. So Drag Race shifted it all where there was a personal side of you that came out as well, which I really didn't expect. Uh, and, and most of my friends, when I went to Drag Race, once they found out that I had filmed it and come back to real life, they said, either you were kicked off first or you won. And I go, yep, that's my personality. <laughs> either you get it or you don't. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not, it, it also filters out a lot of crazy people. So mm-hmm. I'm not mad at it, but, uh, overall when we become friends, we're set, you know? So yeah. it's, it's just, uh, it, it's kind of a nice warning, but it's just mm-hmm. been the path that I've taken, you know? Well, it, it's strange to me, too, because outside the show with fans, it's almost like there's something like masochistic about it. Like they, there are yeah. people who want you to be mean to them and beg you to do it. So does that ever get into like strange territory for you? Oh, totally. Well, you know, for a long time, uh, you know, I, like I said, I've been doing drag, but I, I recently had a friend of mine that I found out was a dominatrix. And I immediately thought, I'm like, oh, God, this bitch is having sex with everybody. She's like, no, a dominatrix is someone who just dresses up and just mean to people. And I go, oh, that's what I'm doing. I'm a fucking dominatrix. dominatrix. Yeah. So, um, 
yeah, it is weird in those settings when they're, you know, hanging out and saying, hi, read me. It, it doesn't necessarily work that way. But there have been those people on Twitter and Instagram that have set me the fuck off every now and then. And you just got to unleash the demons. But it's not a common occurrence, I would say. Um, speaking of intimidation, Adore, at the beginning of the season, the show seemed to position you as intimidated by both your fellow Idol alum, Courtney Act, as well as Bianca. What were your first impressions of both of them? And was there an element of intimidation in competing against queens who had more experience at the time? Um, yeah, like I remember telling the producers to keep Bianca away from me because I hated her. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> did you really? Yeah, I did. I was like, I remember because we were we didn't meet each other. <laughs> we didn't meet each other until the second day, and like when they put us in, because I've never been wrong about my winners. Like I'm obsessed with the show. Like I always clock them: Jeans, Raja, Sharon. And as soon as I met Bianca, I was like, fuck, like. I was like, God damn it. Like, she's winning. Because, like, I mean, I'm pretty... Like, it's like playing Pokemon. Like, if you're, like, a good warrior, then you know who you're going up against. Like, if you have... If you're Charmander and then Charizard walks in with all these flames, like, you're going to have to, like, find some ice cubes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Bianca's maybe the... the She's maybe the jinx, though. <laughs> of the I think Bianca's kind of, like, new to me at this point. Yeah. Me too, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, Bianca, did you know that, that Adore had asked the producers to to keep you away from her? Oh, well, despite I what told her, anybody... I told like, her, years later. <laughs> yeah, despite what anybody ever tells you about Drag Race, you know nothing. Like, you're, you're literally in your own bubble, and the only time you can communicate with everyone is when we're on set, on camera. I'm sure that's been discussed countless times. But with us... We, I didn't know. She was the only girl, the only queen, because if you remember correctly from our season, we were in two groups. We had group one and group two. And I was in group two and Adore ended up being the only one from group one that lasted till the yeah. end of the competition. So, um, and immediately when we all first met, it was very West Side Story because it was like group one, group two. And we're like, who are these bitches? I don't know. I mean, literally we've spent a day with each other and we already hated the other group. So, um, it was a slow progression, but as I got to know her, I remember saying to my story producer at the time uh, that we do the confessionals with every day, I said, there's something about her that I love. And if I get it, the audience will get it. Like, I just thought there was something charming and fun and great and not annoying like some of the other contestants. She was just charming and fun. I'm like, there's some star quality about her. So it was just interesting to see how we navigated through all of it. Yeah. You better stop. You know, I'm still single. Yeah, I know. It was very, I think, surprising to me that both of you eventually did become so close. Um, because, Bianca, you did, right from the beginning, you brought that sort of old-school, no-nonsense drag attitude to this competition that we hadn't really seen before. And you still have it to this day. So where it, it like, it almost seems like you were maybe triggered by the newer generations and some of the messiness that was coming through in the workroom at first. So, so what was it that, that maybe bothered you or, or sort of triggered you about the, the newer school of drag on season six that you entered it from such a quote unquote hateful place? Well, I, I, I think it stemmed from the fact that most people's fascination with the show also is a fascination with fame and with television without realizing there's a task at hand. We had a competition we had to do. 
And my thing was going into it, I was at the time, I think 37, I turned 38 when we were filming it. I wasn't the prettiest. I wasn't the youngest. I'm not a lip sync assassin, but we had to do the fucking challenges. So the thing was for me is that they're all wrapped up in trying to make television history by being assholes and, and being <laughs> dramatic that it's like, do the fucking job, you asshole. Right. Like that was what I think was lost. So when I would see the people go on these tangents or go into these whirlwinds or create all this, this bullshit that didn't need to be there, I would lose my patience because in mm -hmm. the end, I wanted to do the best that I could in that a limited amount of time we have. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think, where my, my patience, and if you've ever, if anyone's ever worked with me or dealt with me, <laughs> that's just <laughs> how I am. Like, what do we need to do to get it done? You know, however, however we can get to the finish line is how I look at it. So I think that's where my patience was lost. So it wasn't, a total disdain for everyone. Well, Adore, <laughs> Adore, looking back on, you know, this this early, I guess, period in, in your drag career compared to somebody like Bianca, um, where do you think you have changed the most when you look back and see the person on, on season six entering that, that workroom for the first time? I just think it's just like, we got lucky because it was kind of the last season that was like, you know, geared towards a lot of like, weird personalities and talent as opposed to like like i'm not trying to throw shade but like it was like the last season before instagram girls could start getting on you know what mm -hmm. i mean so it was yeah. kind of like i got to like experience a bunch of different like personalities when it came to like work ethic and just like kind of like how their personalities turned on when the camera came on so it was kind of fascinating um but um what was the question just, <laughs> just you know what? Wait, don't, don't, don't sit still too long. They'll build a building in your head that was very empty for a long period of time. <laughs> well, let's let me let me. Sorry, Xena Warrior Princess is on, and I got distracted. Even though it's on you, I'm like, wow, what a queen. She, she Lucy Lawless. She still looks good. She's she's, she's had good work done. She looks so good. She's like Selena Gomez. She gets it like very subtly sorry okay, yeah that's what you need to do <laughs> this, okay i'm just this is just performance art in itself this whole segment um but uh let me ask you guys this then what okay. what does like i guess if you you are seeing this sort of new generation of of drag race queens coming in after this season um do you maybe are there any things that that might bother you about what you're seeing in terms of that instagram generation um and you know, how the art form itself is maybe evolving in, in terms of what you're seeing on, yes. on the show? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I... Go ahead. <laughs> no, go. You sounded like you had more conviction. No, I was thinking, <laughs> I was going to say that, you know, I don't necessarily look at it as a new generation. I mean, everything just kind of shifts in and, and rocks and rolls. I mean, if you were to ask even someone like RuPaul, what did he think his career was going to be like 40 years ago compared to now? You just don't know. But what I think is interesting, we live in a world now with, you know, celebrities that we don't know why they're celebrities. They don't have any talent, but they're known and they're seen and they're exposed. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that to keep things alive, you have to keep the young and the new people interested. So for me to say it's, it's a newer generation, I go, I don't even put myself in the same category. I think it's apples and oranges. We do something different. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a live performer. I don't look good in Instagram photos, whereas they <laughs> look good in Instagram photos, but they can't perform live. So it's a, different, it's a different element. And I think, obviously, the show went into a different direction. And that's why when people ask me, would you do a winner's version? Well, first of all, and foremost, I'll say it here, no one has ever 
officially asked me from World of Wonder to say, hey, you want to do this? In interviews, I've always said, no, why, why, would, I do, why would I go back to high school? Like, it's just stupid. <laughs> and I, there was a reason why each person won their season. So I think the same as it is now. It's a different vehicle. I don't think I would be cast. I don't think that I would be interested in doing it now because the, the game has changed. And some may say for the better, some may say not. And that's what social media is for. So I think it's just a different world. So rather than say, I don't get it because I'm old, I will say it's just not for me. Yeah. <laughs> it, I, don't think, I, I don't think I would survive this time around. Yeah, it's, it's a different realm for sure. Adore, one of your main storylines this season was your relationship with Laganja, which came to a head in an untucked episode where she infamously felt very attacked by everyone saying she was being fake. Can you tell us a little <laughs> more about what Laganja was like before the season and elaborate yeah. on what actually bothered you about the way she was acting? And I know, Bianca, you might have some thoughts on that, too. <laughs> so uh, what a lot of people don't understand is that like prior to all of this happening is Ganja and I had just like celebrated my birthday and like I had invited her over to like you know like a week of just like of clothing optional hotel and like we were just being <laughs> naked and just like letting it all out and then like maybe like a few months later she was like like maybe three months later she was like so are you going to are you going to Hawaii and I was like fuck because like I knew because like we were basically like pitted against each other during like our baby queen years and it was like she was like the homegirl but she did not speak like that that's what mm -hmm. like really made me feel weird because I was like what is she doing and then I like yeah. let it go and I was like oh she's trying to be Alyssa and then I'm like Alyssa doesn't even try to be Alyssa like that's why I was like oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like stop <laughs> like Jesus but um, I just saw like a completely different like human and I, I think she's like aware of it now and, mm -hmm. and how like it brought like a whole like, yes, mama. Like, and it's like, okay, like I don't even have children. Stop calling me mama, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't she, know. Could, she could call me mama because I've, I've, I've had a couple. But the thing is, <laughs> I, um, I, I, didn't have, I didn't have a, I don't have a problem with Laganja at all as a person. And I think once again, as I said before, in the pressure cooker, is when the awkwardness comes out. I mean, remember, we're not talking to anyone else other than story producers or each other on camera. And you tell a gay person, don't talk, and it makes someone nuts. Uh, right. So over the period of time, I think it was just the process. And I think some people are good under pressure and some people weren't. And I think in those moments, I think she kind of struggled with identity and what to say, what's the right thing to say, how do I make this work? And a lot of queens in particular see something successfully working for another queen and feel the need, oh, I should do that. And totally. I think that's where I think that's where it came from. I don't think it was an intentional thing. And and we've had a great time chatting after the fact. And I and I yeah. adore her. And you know, the way her life's changed for her as a performer and what she's been able to do since then has been Stunning. pretty remarkable. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, just in the moment, it was it was a hard pill to swallow for all of us. Yeah, yeah. it was it was weird in the moment. Well, what the the moment where Laganja, unfortunately, was eliminated, um, it will also go down, I think, in Drag Race history. Uh, what were you both thinking during her um, chasse away moment when she left, when she was doing that off of the stage? <laughs> oh. Well, 
I was done with her. I was so done. Was I. done. <laughs> I was done. And and like I said, we're in a much better place now, so I can say it honestly, is that I, I, I don't think there was any poker face that I had at all because I was just so sick of the fuckery. And I was done with it, and I just thought, bye. Now, Courtney Act, on the other hand, uh, in her defense, she was very concerned, and she thought, oh, my God, something's going to happen. She's going to go crazy. You know, this is not a good thing. I, I, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, bye. I was done. Right. Uh, I'm like, she's going to go crazy. I'm like, the bitch is already crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, so it was just kind of like, go. And, I, and, and it, was, it was a relief. It was a relief at that point because I thought, okay, you know, not, not in, in my little conniving mind going, ooh, another one down. I thought this was not the perfect thing for her. You know, it was at not time. at that time. It was, yeah. it was not at the time. So I thought, okay, well, then maybe she can assess whatever's going on personally and, and get her in a better place. I just meant literally physically watching her chasse. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ew. I wanted to punch her. I remember being what? like, when she was like, oh, oh I'm going to be the first person to chasse. Oh, boy. And I was like, can she just die? Like, is she a cockroach? Like, I was like so annoyed. I'm like, can we just step on her and kill her? But like, after that, like, I loved her. But at the time, I wanted to fucking raid her ass to death. I didn't like the wig. The wig bothered me. Yeah. Oh, I Girl. I think it's so weird because I just love the whole moment because it is just so strange. Um, and I do love Laganja. Like, I love yeah. watching what she's doing now. I just think that she is such a fun person to watch. So totally. that I, I loved it. But Laganja, yeah. Trinity, and and um, Darian appeared among the group, I would say, of queens this season who appeared to be pretty easily shaken. But in contrast to somebody like you, Bianca, like no queen – has ever had such a confidence and I think a command on the competition as you. And it was very clear right from the beginning. Um, you seemed so unbothered by a lot of, you know, the actual challenges that were, you know, posed. So was, was there though a moment you can remember from the season where you actually maybe weren't as confident as you appeared on camera, like having maybe an internal meltdown during a challenge oh, or a runway? Oh, no, no. Well, to be to be honest, I was I had a meltdown with every fucking challenge that came your way. You, you were it wasn't a question of this is what's so interesting about the show. And I think to go on the show, they say, you know, the best of the best. And you go into this. Obviously, there's excitement and people are rooting for you and people that you owe money to are now calling you. So your world changes by just getting on the show. But the thing is, in the end, you have to deliver. And sometimes things don't translate. For me in particular, where I do stand-up, I, we had a stand-up challenge. And that was when I was most concerned was because, oh, fuck, here it is. It's like if, if you're an opera singer and they say, sing, you know, what if you hit a wrong note? What if it doesn't yeah. work out? So I was paranoid with all of it. I just didn't show, I didn't choose to show it. And that's just kind of how I live my life. I think the younger generation now wears their heart on their sleeve and, you know, cries about everything in confessional. No offense, Adore. But I... Um, wow. I, I, you, know what, you know what's funny? is that I thought Adore was going to win because she cried. I thought the day she started crying about a wedding challenge, I was like, this fuck, fuck you! She's crying! It's over! She's got the sympathy vote. I thought she's going to take it. So that was my perception. I almost so I went home that day, you fuck. Well, wouldn't that have been easier? But anyway, I, <laughs> that's what I signed up for. And I, you don't know how it's going to play out. So I was concerned about all the challenges, I have to say, to be honest. Uh, but uh, the comedy challenge was probably the most overwhelming. And I had written a whole new section of shit that I wanted to talk about. But that was one of the few challenges we got to watch each other. 
So we got to see everybody's performance. And somehow I ended up being one of the last ones in my group. So I saw what everybody else was doing. And I thought, fuck it, just do what you know and go with it. And that was that. So, Adore, we did end up seeing your confidence break when the judges came for your looks, especially Santino and Michelle. And we saw that again on All Stars 2, which you chose to leave after episode two. Can you explain why specific critiques like that made you so emotional? Well, with All Stars, I was mad because I was like, I, I had it in my head, like, I'm going to sleep with Santino before this airs. And like, <laughs> all, I was like, all of this is going to happen. And it's going to work out perfect for me. And then I show up and his bald ass isn't even there. And I'm like, who is this fucking queer right for this straight guy? And then fucking Ross's bitch ass. I've known him since I was like 18. And I'm like, how is he going to judge me? Like, this isn't like sassy prom queen. And then like, I remember like going in just being like super like defensive for All Stars 2. But like, I think with like season six, I wasn't that like emotional about it. I just think that like my pride was a little bit more like, hurt with all stars because it was like i was already on my second album like i had records that i hit and i was like bitch you ain't gonna tell me michelle when your hair is flatter than fucking colorado like <laughs> like stop <laughs> so after filming we've seen over the years that you haven't changed your art to fit in with a mold or what people might be expecting of you was it a conscious decision for you to not lean into a more commercially friendly brand of ja of drag than what the judges said that they were looking for yeah i think it like took a it took a like a whole like life on its own actually it just kind of fell into place like the narrative of like me not knowing exactly you know how long my skirt should be or like what what my waist should look like the kids ran with that and they started like dressing up as me so it kind of just evolved into this whole like subculture of just not really giving a fuck so it kind of like helped me in the in the long run so so yeah i mean you know there's a lot of things that we can take from that and be like oh this shouldn't have happened but i i think it all fell into place like a puzzle like mm -hmm. yeah Bianca, going back to the comedy challenge, it seemed to be a real turning point in your mood. We saw a much softer side of you and Trinity after you gave her a hard time in earlier episodes, and she performed really well in the comedy routine. First, I have to ask, did you give her any coaching for that challenge, or was she low-key funny that whole time and we just didn't see it on camera? And what changed in that relationship to make you take a softer approach? Um, no, I didn't coach her on that. Uh, she, the thing was with that particular episode to, to break some of the magic, there were, um, two, I believe comedy, uh, assistants that were there to hear out our act before we did it on stage so that you would go into a room and you would perform it or, or you would have a meeting with one or, or the other to discuss what you were going to just so they knew where you were headed. Uh, so I did not know. Everybody was kind of top secret about what each person was doing. So I didn't know what she was going to do till she did it. But I thought it was amazing. It's one thing, even if you're if you're dealing with scripted material or or some of it being your own and someone adds to it. The big difference was she delivered, which I was so excited to see that. And I always yeah. say, you know, you 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 can't be <laughs> funny when people say you can't joke about this. You can't. I can joke about whatever the fuck I want to joke about. Yeah. But it's how you deliver it. And she delivered so well that I was so proud that I was like, oh, right, bitch, this is great. So I think that was a turning point for her as well, because she kind of out of all the things she thought she could do. Uh, this was the one thing I didn't think she had the confidence for. But then she fucking ran with it. She was amazing yeah. at it. Mm -hmm. And 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 that that challenge, I thought for sure she was going to win. If you're going by the, you know, the show standards and saying here was this arc that she experienced, I thought, right. oh, she's got this in the bag. That's what mm -hmm. I thought. 
Absolutely. Yeah. There was also a weird moment during that challenge where it almost appears like somebody was heckling Ben by screaming, like, tell us a joke. And RuPaul looks really pissed in the moment. So can you tell us what actually happened there? Like, was there more more to that moment than what we saw? It was me. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I say that I say that whenever I go to a Bendelin Krem show. <laughs> Tell me oh, a joke. Oh no. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't I don't go to her shows. I um No, I, I think that's also oh a game show. Remember, like, you know, we're getting the information literally what? Hours before we have to do the task. So I, or maybe it was the day before, because I think that was day one that they said we're doing a comedy roast the next day. Uh, I don't think they told us. Did they tell us the door that we had an audience? I don't remember. Um, yeah, they told us that it was going to be a bunch of old people, and that's why Lagan just said that their vaginas were dry. Right. That's it. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So, so I knew, I knew all of my sixteen fans were going to be there because they were old, and I was quite excited. It, it used to be twenty, but ooh, illness. But there was. Um, Sixteen that there, and I think oh that they God. they were trying to they were trying to basically get people to to fuck with us, you know. And I think mm. that's where that stemmed from, you know. I think that the audience had, you know, the the opportunity to say whatever they wanted to just throw us and see how we were going to react under pressure. So I think that's where that came from. Mm. Or he just hated Ben, which is highly possible. Yeah, yeah. possible too. Yeah, they brought they brought like a heckler from like the like a couple seasons prior, like from Jinx's season. I remember because like I was such a fan of the show, and I, I remember I recognized him, and I was like, oh, they brought that old fat man back. And then <laughs> Bianca ended up like attacking him, and I was like, yes, bitch, finish her fatality. Yes. Like the guy with the striped shirt, the right? Sleeping he had, like, guy. Shirt. Yeah, the yes. sleeping guy. He was there yeah. season five, and he was like heckling Jinx. Oh my gosh! I didn't. Maybe yeah, he was just sitting there sleeping that whole time. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe he, yeah. exactly. He never left. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, girl. Well, I mean, we also had a very strange moment the following week. I believe it was the makeover challenge. Um, and I've, <laughs> I've heard that. I think his name is Brandon, Jocelyn's man. I, I heard oh, that he yeah. was super pissed and maybe didn't yeah. want to be there more He was so like than homophobic. What that's what, yeah. yeah, that's what it seemed. He was so homophobic that it literally made him throw up on stage. It was actually, it was kind of sad. Like, I remember like, because yeah. my, my guy was a fucking alcoholic and he wouldn't listen to me and he kept getting drunk <laughs> with his like stepkids in the pool. Like, and I was like, <laughs> I was like, dude, your fucking skin is peeling. Stop going in the sun. And he came back looking like fucking death becomes her. And I was like, Jesus, <laughs> <laughs> he's like do you remember where we parked the car i'm like you didn't drive um, but, but <laughs> yeah, i remember looking i remember looking at jocelyn and seeing how uncomfortable she was with that whole scenario and i remember being like what's the uncomfortability like factor and like she told me like he don't even want to be here like his wife like he like basically like lost a bet and it's like he's totally making jocelyn feel uncomfortable and i felt bad for her but he did look like a gremlin he did. He did. <laughs> the reason Jocelyn didn't do as good of a job as she maybe could have. Oh, honey, it was it was challenging on all fronts. It was it was yeah, it was weird. All I kept thinking was, "Woo, dodge that bullet!" Yeah, yeah. Like you got this like happy, cool Jewish guy that like loved it, and I'm like, "What the hell?" No, I have uh, no. I think I think he was from Amsterdam. He was very sweet. Uh, Miss yeah. Eddie was her name. Eddie was her name, and I can't remember his name. And and he, they were so sweet and down to earth and so much fun. Um, they wanted to be friends after the show, and I said no. And oh. that was I'm kidding. Oh, no. I'm kidding. We've Good. been swinging. I'm kidding. We've been swinging together since then. Wow. 
Oh god. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Wait, so I can't tell. Have you actually kept in touch or have you not? You know, it's funny. I was I was uh in living in Los Angeles at the time and uh, one of the story producers had gone to Mickey's in LA and had taken a picture with them. They had gone there thinking I was performing at Mickey's, which I was like, <laughs> uh, no. But they sent me a little photo and sent me some love and it was very sweet. And I think we're Facebook friends though. Uh, Aww, but I haven't seen much cute. going on lately. But they were they 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 had the right attitude going into it. They were just very down mm-hmm. to earth. They knew what was going on. They were like, let's just do whatever's gonna make this fun. So I was yeah. fortunate with with that group that you know, and I felt bad because I actually picked for Jocelyn because I yeah. think I end up picking everybody, <laughs> or maybe <laughs> it was all part of my plan. Sabotaging? Were you sabotaging? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Well, Bianca, I also noticed with you, um, especially during the Jamal Sims sort of sexy sissiography training for the music video shoot, that that was a moment, I think, where I, I where? sensed a bit of uncomfortability with, with you. Oh, um, I thought you, you were, were try- going to say that you got hard when you were watching. <laughs> <laughs> Same. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wait, I don't... I've lost my train of thought now. Oh my gosh, See? you read my mind. Um, Is it hard for you to think right now? <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I should have let Jillian ask this question. Um, but we're Jillian, is this hard for you as well? <laughs> <laughs> Jillian, well, seemed- come out of the closet and answer the question. I um no, I well, it, um, it seemed, yeah, anything yeah, it was- that was meant to be like sexy. It was like you you oh, God, kind of yeah. felt uncomfortable. Oh, totally. Because for me, drag has nothing to do with sexuality. I mean, in general, I don't feel sexual in it. I don't feel, I mean, the only thing I attract is flies. It doesn't, it doesn't appeal (laughs) to me on that level. And I don't have that mindset. And you've got to remember, I'm also up there with Darian, Courtney, and Adore, which are like fucking sex kittens. You know, they are. Yeah, I'm fucking hot. No, they are the range of sex kittens, you know? And and what's so funny is that I thought, okay, it, it, this is it. This is, you know, because we, as I said, we don't know what the challenge involves and they just keep layering it and layering it. And then I'm like, okay, if it's just the dancing, I can get through it. Then it's like, okay, then get on a treadmill. Oh, then we're going to turn on a fan. Oh, then we're going to have you in this little tight outfit that hugs your nutsack. All of this is going on and you're just kind of like, I'm like, all right, if this, is, if this is when I go home, I've had a good run. Good. Now, in that same moment, in that same moment, which made it even more spectacular later, was that Courtney Act was the most confident during that challenge. <laughs> <laughs> and looked like a fucking cracked out sexy yes. alien. Yes. yes. <laughs> and so that was what, that made me feel better when it aired. I went, oh, uh, but you know, we're all friends, so we cackled about it after the fact. But I remember being in that moment going, all right, if this is it, I, I was happy with knowing I got this far. I've had a good, I think that was like one of the last episodes, right? That's, that's the, yeah, that was the second to last, I yeah. think. How, how ironic you on a treadmill being like, I've had a good run. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, literally, I've had a good run. In uh, cheap shoes, not the first time. But it was like, you know, if it ended, I thought, you know, because also you kind of remember to, to most people, and I think this is not, not for anyone to pity or to question, we're not doing this week to week. We're doing it every other, fuck, every day. Yeah. Every day, uh, you know, it's two episodes, two days is one episode. 
uh, with the exception of the musical, Rusical, we did three days. But literally, we're doing it back to back to back to back to back. So as you go through it, you're just like, okay, safe. Thank you, Jesus. Let's roll yeah. on. And then when you get to that point, you're just like, okay, look, if this is it, I've had a good time. You know, I, I could go home being happy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, so that's Adore, where I was. Adore, have you ever given like Bianca lessons on how to like sex up her drag? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> uh, all the time, girl. Are you kidding? <laughs> no, no, no. I remember like all of us kind of being uncomfortable on that day and us just kind of like being like hype men for each other. And I think that that's when we kind of like figured out like we actually enjoyed each other's company for real, for real. And then yeah. like I was like, look, like honestly, like even though Courtney looks like a cracked out alien, I'm going to tell her she looks like fucking like. <laughs> Like Jane Fonda, you know, like that's yeah. Barbarella, girl. Like, yeah. like, like, like when Bianca was up there, I was like, "Yes, bitch!" And then like Loki, I'm like, "Break hit, break hit." But I'm like, "This shit looks so good." <laughs> <laughs> Bianca, would you have taken sexy advice from Adore? <laughs> Not on camera. Uh, no, I, uh, no, I, I, you know, it's funny is that we didn't. That, that was so weird is that you had also we were going into. To, like over time like they were trying to wrap this shit up so those last few challenges were like bam 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 we didn't even have time to, to rehearse to plan to think remember that Adore? it was so quick that oh. it was just like we were plowing the whole sissy walk sissy that walk video was like a super fast clusterfuck because i think it was dealing with um union times and stuff and yeah. they were, we were behind schedule uh it so was it was so just quick. kind of like Let's go, let's go, let's go. We didn't have time to fucking think. Yeah. And uh, it was nice because by that point, you know, the four of us had become closer because we were experiencing all of this. And and it was from that that we all kind of went, all right, this is a good group. We're good, we're good. We're happy with yeah. whoever wins, you know? Yeah, they jumped me into their group. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that group along with Courtney you guys are widely regarded as being the strongest top 3 in drag race history but Darian just outside of the top 4 seemed to go down a little differently in the fandom's eyes i've heard there was a petition circulating at the time where fans were signing it to bring Bendela back and eliminate Darian after Ben was sent home for the lip sync. Do you remember hearing anything about that? And was that something the Queens were yeah. talking uh, about? Well, I, I remember hearing about it, but I didn't agree with it because the, yeah. the game was the, the rules were you do your challenge. And if you're shit in your challenge, they put in the bottom, whoever they want. And then you had to do a lip sync challenge. And then you had a lip sync against each other. And I have to say wholeheartedly that no offense to Ben, or you know what? All offense to Ben. Darian fucking slayed both yeah. fucking lip sync. Sorry. Did. She did. Sorry. And that's just what it is. So if people didn't like her, I mean, I like Ben and we're friends and stuff, but I'm going, you know what? In that moment, that was the game. And Darian yeah. is a fucking vocal fucking lip syncing beast, honey. Yeah. And I, I, I didn't want to go next. I didn't want to go against her. And, and to see her do it, I felt she took the challenge and she did what she had to do. So I wasn't mad at, at, Darian's placement. I thought actually Darian should have could we could have all been in the top because yeah. she was she was brilliant, especially yeah. especially in the last um, uh, in the Sissy That Walk video, the acting scene. She did a great job with Rue 
uh, when we have that little moment throwing the mm-hmm. bottle. And I thought for sure she was going to win after watching that. We night. all did. Remember all like three of us yeah. were like, girl, I think Darian She got, got it. it yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, after that, Bianca, obviously, you ended up winning the season and your victory is pretty consistently celebrated as the best in the show's history. So why do you think you were the right winner at the time for the show? And was there anything specific that you had to do afterwards to sort of tailor your career for such big success that you've had after the show? Well, I, I don't think it was the best of the best. I think that it, it you're only as good as the company you keep. And I think it's a huge credit to the show to have cast such an amazing group of people. You know, Definitely. like I was up there with Courtney O'Dor and Darian, like, come mm-hmm. on, like out of that season, they were the top contenders. And we've all said it, any of us, could have won. It didn't matter. We were just happy that we got to that point. We had a great journey and it opened up a shit ton of doors. And I think that's what was so amazing about the show. We had seen success with season four, five, and six, four and five, which many people say are the best. I think four, five, and six are the seasons that that kind of changed the game. Totally. Uh, As a fan, I agree. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that, you know, Sharon changed things. Jinx obviously changed things. And it was at a time when it didn't matter if you were the prettiest, the thinnest, the youngest, the most gorgeous in an Instagram photo or spent a million dollars on clothes. You won based on your talent. Um, So I'm grateful for that opportunity then. And as I said before, I probably wouldn't be able to do the show now because it's such a different format. But it did change my life in a lot of ways because my usual, you know, fuck you attitude is altered when you have all these other people that are now watching you. I didn't have a Twitter or an Instagram before Drag Race. So after that, it was now, oh, everyone has an opinion on what you say. Everyone has an opinion of what you do. Um, uh, In the beginning, it was daunting. But after that, I just kind of thought, you know, I didn't grow up with Twitter. So it doesn't matter to me what these phantom people think or say or you know, somebody with a with a hidden profile is going to bitch about me. Sure, that's yeah. fine. And and when, especially when they would get nasty and thinking, well, I love Adore, or I love Courtney, and it should have been you. I go, it doesn't matter to me because I'm friends with both of them. Exactly. <laughs> and yeah. if we're not mad at each other, what the fuck does it matter mm-hmm. if Penelope right. from Arkansas is pissed? Fuck you, <laughs> Penelope. Um, not Penelope. Whatever. Uh, <laughs> Penelope. Uh, so I... That way, I was grateful that I, I kind of grew up before social media, so it didn't bother me. It was a shock in the beginning, but after that, it was just kind of like, all right, roll with the punches, do what you do, and, and live your life. Well, Adore, I, once this, I think it's obviously different when you're filming, or I imagine it's different when you're filming versus when it's actually out into the world and people are are digesting it for themselves separate from production. So heading into the finale, um, was your confidence different in winning, maybe different than it was after you had ended filming, after you had seen the the reaction, I guess, to to Bianca on the show? Like, were you, do you think you were ready to win heading into the finale? Yeah. Considering everything that had happened yeah. after it had started? Yeah, I think we all were. I don't know if like, you know, because I, I feel like regardless of me, like, like knowing in my heart of hearts that Bianca was going to win. Cause like as a fan, like I was like objectively looking at the whole competition. I was like, Jesus, but like there were, you know, it was an equal little board and, and, and it was like, you know, are they going to pick the little Chiona little crybaby that, you know, started out as Charizard and like ended up Charmander or are they going to like fucking go with somebody who kicked fucking ass and did everything that was asked of them. And it's like, come on, man, like, regardless of who won, like, all three of us were there, all four of us were there together in Vegas, and it was, like, we were just happy that somebody was just kind of, like, you know, one of our homegirls was just doing good, so, like, 
even if you see like our reaction, like I was just happy that like like yeah. we were just all there together. I know that sounds really like gay. No, me, it does. Like- it, it sounds like a pageant. It sounds like a pageant <laughs> response. And I caught myself saying it many times where I would go, you know, I was in the company that meaning I was fine with whatever. Like at that point I go, here's this yeah. great chance. Here's the world saw us. We're all going to have careers after this because we already had an established right. idea of what we wanted to be beforehand. So the show just elevated what we were doing, which was totally. an amazing pedestal for us. So I would never knock the pedestal or having that chance. But in the end, if she won, I won this one, it wouldn't have been the end of the world. It'd have been like, all right, bitch, let's get yeah. to work. And then and that that's how we all looked at it. So yeah. it's okay. She won Big Brother. <laughs> oh, I know that troll. Yeah, that fucking troll. <laughs> and- <laughs> Adore, you've had such an impressive music career after the show, but, and I know, you know, many people first met you on reality TV as a singer, but I still see people trying to label your music as quote unquote drag queen Uh, music, I guess, just because it's a drag uh, queen singing it. How, how have you tried to overcome that stigma or those labels throughout your career? And has that been a conscious decision to fight against that? No, I mean, I just let the records go. Like, I mean... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> my thing is my thing is this when anybody's like you're just a drag queen singer and i'm like well have your host beat my record and then we can yeah. talk about oh, that yeah. <laughs> well, and also, but- also to be fair you have to put a door in a different category because a door is actually fucking singing yes. she's actually singing yeah she's not going fierce fierce <laughs> fierce Ooh, weather, weather, cloudy weather, cloudy weather. I do, I do have to say that, like, I don't find it like even offensive when people call me a drag singer because that's what I am essentially. But like, at the same time, like Juju and I have these conversations all the time because she she's a singer songwriter as well, and like we love to just like make melodies and like put lyrics together. And she just wants to be like known for like her talent and writing like more than anything like i don't know if it like has to do with like being a drag queen or trying to like you know be the next pablo vitar break into like mainstream and get signed by sony or whatever it's like it's more of just like if they take what i'm doing seriously then i can feel you know validated i know that sounds really stupid but like that's like the conversation we always have like as there is this it's like as long as they, they they know that we can just do our job and kind of like at least fit in with the rest of them you know as like artists <laughs> i think i want to just take bianca's recording that she just did right now of fierce stormy weather i just want to turn that into a dance well song. you know we this is the th- this is the thing listen i'm gonna just be very honest if i thought that if but someone that's been the protocol and i think even before me everybody was doing music videos and dropping videos and doing albums and that was the first thing i was asked are you going to do an album and i said no i said it's the stupidest thing for me <laughs> to do an album because these queens overproduce this music that they can never perform live in front of anyone because it's all fucking canned and auto-tuned and ghosts and then i just thought no one wants to hear me fucking sing and and a friend of mine said to me Bianca, why don't you do a music video? I said, honey, if music videos made money, I'd have made 12. But I didn't because it doesn't. And it's what it is. I, 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 it just never, I never gravitated to it at all. But I, yeah. I, I, you know, I applaud the people that actually have talent and sing, not people that are <laughs> singing weather, coyote, coyote, yeah, coyote. Like, I don't get it. Tell Stormy Daniels is shaking. Oh, I love her. <laughs> you can follow Stormy Daniels' Twitter. Her Twitter is a fucking yes. riot. Oh, yeah. oh it's so crazy. So ruthless. Yeah. Oh, I love it. 
Yeah. I just unfollowed her. I gotta follow her back. Why? <laughs> oh my god, why'd you unfollow her? I was cleansing because Jeffrey unfollowed me. So I was like, oh, let me pretend I don't have a job either. And then I went oh. into like all oh. of my friends and I started unfollowing everyone. <laughs> Got it. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, that was a very sad <laughs> note. But let's bring it back up. We have one more question. Um, we want to know. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. I just had to say one more thing. My dad's dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> Wait, are you about to lip sync? Is that what this is? Please oh, bring no. out all when, when family I, when trauma. I, when I was 24, my dad died in August. I don't know if I can do Oh, it. you won. You won the competition. <laughs> you guys waited until the last minute to sabotage us. We can't continue after that. <laughs> well, you know, well, I mean, and, and maybe, maybe that's, that's oh, you know, that's my beef with all of it, is that I, I just laugh at the fact that, you know, look, go out there, entertain, and enjoy yourself. That's how I look at life. And totally. Some people, some people will like what you do, and some people won't. And that's totally fine, too. I mean, people have a right to say, I don't find that funny, or I don't find this interesting. I wouldn't buy her album, and I don't want to see him live, or whatever. But I, 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 I have no sympathy. Sympathy is not part of my drag aesthetic. So I really have a hard time <laughs> when the music starts, and everybody's got a fucking story. Because, listen, nobody cares! Nobody cares. Oh we've all God. had we've all had issues, but no one fucking gives a shit. And do and you care where, about? No, I don't care. I don't think she cares. I don't think so. Seriously, I could get hit by a car, and I'm going to be in the hospital going, "Let's move on. What's next? Bury me. Let's go." It I thought Robbie Turner's Uber driver died. I don't think he can hit. Oh my God! I don't think he can see, hit anybody. Do you see what I'm saying? That that alone, perfect example. Perfect example is people getting lost in the idea that sympathy is the way to win people over. I don't want. I, no, 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 no. I, I I don't have no sympathy. If anything, I hate you more. I can't deal with it. And that is part of the many reasons as to why we love you, Bianca. But we yeah, do want to. We it's we so want to. We, it, it, it is. But um, we always end by asking our guests, um, we want to know if there's one secret bit of tea or, or something that you've never really talked about before about season six that you can oh. reveal now. It can be anything. It doesn't have to be shady or just anything that is slightly amusing or, or oh, can God. be shady if you want. But uh, What would it be? What, uh, well, I don't want to say the same thing as you, Adore. So you, you, you say something first. Well, I don't know what to say. Um... Huh. If Courtney wasn't there, I would have fought Laganja physically. <laughs> yes. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Courtney, you um, have to elaborate. Who, who would have won? Great, Courtney's, uh, well, we, we've obviously all become very close, and Courtney's a good <laughs> listener. Courtney would be a very yeah. good therapist, and Courtney has patience. Uh, yeah. So she's actually good with, with a crisis. It's not the way I would handle it, because I would light a match <laughs> and walk away. Whereas she, you know, she's kind of like, let's talk to the arsonist and let's find out his feelings. Um, Yeah. Like, where is his mom from? Yeah. (laughs) She's a, yeah, she's very good with combative situations. And she was navigating that whole Laganja moment because she felt for her. uh, And and she was concerned about her mental state in the moment. She really was. Yeah. So, yeah, that makes sense. So that's the the tea is that Courtney was the uh, Sweden I mean, of. I don't know if it's tea. Like, there's not really any tea, um, but like. <laughs> oh, well, one of my favorites was, one of my favorites was, well, it's not really tea, but it's just something that we found out later, is that Darian Lake, who I absolutely love and who is so <laughs> rotted and hateful, she's such, she's such my type of person. We cackle the texts we sent, the horrible memes we sent. I love her, I love her. But anyway, 
She had told a friend of hers that while we were filming, that all she had to eat was yogurt the whole time. <laughs> really? Which was a lie. So, oh, okay. when, so, right. so I don't know this until later. And her friend's like, yeah, well, Darian said, you know, y'all were on that yogurt diet. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and she said all she had was yogurt the whole time. And I said, this, first of all, did she come back as fat as she was when she left? <laughs> she did not eat just yogurt for six weeks. That is a lie. Um, so that was funny that Darian was painting it out like we were in prison with just minimal snacks and that's <laughs> our struggle. But that made me, uh, that made me laugh. <laughs> well, unfortunately, in the great tradition of Laganja, we must actually chasse away from this discussion. <laughs> Thank oh you so God. much to Bianca Del Rio and Adore Delano for being here today and not being too hateful with us. Um, where can our listeners find you guys online? Oh, well, uh, I'm on Twitter as the Bianca Del Rio. I'm also on Instagram as the Bianca Del Rio. And I have a new tour coming up soon, so I'll be announcing that. So stay tuned for the details. Uh, that's where you can find me. Or you can find me at the local corner store drinking. <laughs> yes. Or me. I don't have a tour until next year because of the virus. Um, mm-hmm. So you can go onto my social media and just say hi. <laughs> 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 Everything that Adore Delano, except for TikTok. It's Adore Delano at TikTok. Wait a minute. Have you done TikTok? I haven't yeah, done girl. TikTok. Wait, I you do a, TikTok? I no, have videos I of me just screaming at my mom's house. Okay, we're gonna do TikTok. All right, I'm gonna call you after this. We're gonna do TikTok. <laughs> yes. Okay, we will be on the lookout for that too. Thank you guys so much again for being here. This was such a pleasure talking with you. you Thank, you. Thank you. All right, Thank bye you. guys. Bye. bye. Fabulousness is in the forecast as Nina West tells the tea on her newsflash update on past contestants right after this. This is Newsflash with Nina West, and where are they now? Gia Gunn. From season six of RuPaul's Drag Race, Gia Gunn was announced as a contestant on the second season of The Switch, the Chilean version of Drag Race. She earned 10 challenge wins, making her the most decorated contestant of the season, but lost to Miss Leona. Then Gia Gunn went to compete on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Star Season 4 in 2018, becoming the third ever transgender contestant to come out prior to appearing on the show and first trans contestant to compete post-transition. In 2018, Gunn released 30 Days in Transition, a web series on her YouTube channel documenting aspects of her transition as a transgender woman. Ch-ch-ch-chia! Milk. From season 6 of RuPaul's Drag Race, Milk returned to compete on RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars 3 in 2017. He is modeled for Marc Jacobs' Spring-Summer 2016 campaign, Vivian Westwood's SS 2018 campaign, and was featured in Perry Ellis' Fall 2018 collection. And in 2018, it was announced that Milk would be the new face for Madonna's skincare line, MDNA Skin. Mmm, bitch, that's milk. That's a Madonna reference. This has been Newsflash with Nina. Keep it glam!
Thank you all so much for listening to EW's Binge Podcast, produced by Entertainment Weekly in partnership with Pod People. And another sincere thanks to Bianca Del Rio and Adore Delano for being our delightful guests today. You can follow along with all of my random Drag Race and Lady Gaga tweets on Twitter at Joey Nolfi. And you can follow me at Jillian Said, where I'll now be just constantly tweeting at Jocelyn, asking her questions. <laughs> Should tr- just tweet at Kristen Chenoweth, too. Um, please make sure to stop by EW.com slash Drag Race for our ongoing RuPaul's Drag Race coverage during the year, even in the off-season. And don't forget to subscribe to Entertainment Weekly and to EW's Binge Podcast so we can keep bringing you more interviews with more queens. We welcome your comments and questions, even if it's just to tell us that we are low-rent versions of Courtney Act. We'll see you back here next week as we down a sweet ginger minge and take a whiff of Trixie and Katya in the air for a full breakdown of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 7. Fears. 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 Weather. Fears. Ooh. Fears. There's weather. Ooh. There's weather. Fears. There's weather. Cloudy weather. Ooh. Fears. There's weather. Ooh. There's weather. Fears. There's weather. Cloudy weather. Ooh.